Welcome. I'm Riley Karsh. I'm Tova Copan. We are thrilled to bring you the We Go Boldly podcast. Let's talk big burning questions, life changes, and maybe a bit of personal business. Let's be bold and brave together. Are you ready? I am. Here comes the show. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to We Go Boldly, the podcast. We are, as we always are, very happy to have you with us. Uh, This is season 10. We are up to episode six already, which is sort of blowing my mind a little bit. Um, And we are talking today about making decisions. And I am like simultaneously excited about this because I need to do this, like some of the things we're going to talk about and um exhausted really just thinking about it all so uh before we dive into all the like good exciting how to's of decision making i'm gonna say hello to my fantastical co-host tova how are you feeling this morning tova i am feeling good we are recording on a monday morning mm-hmm. and it is a monday after you and i both sort of had like retreats. I know that you were just by yourself, so it wasn't necessarily uh, a, a retreat. <laughs> it, that is a retreat though. But it's, it was a retreat. Like, yeah, that's how you were viewing it. Like yeah. your, your, your family went away to have fun Yes, and you were getting the opportunity to have some alone time. Mm-hmm. And I went away for, to a place that I just feel like I have to tell everybody about because I feel like it's very, uh, I don't know if there are other ones like this. It's called Mary's Place by the Sea. And it is a I think it's 15 years old and it's a place that was created solely for women who have gone through, are going through, have recently recovered from cancer. And it is filled with things that like you would love. Like my first thing, you know, you get your itinerary. It's very like, don't do anything. We're just going to have tea and coffee for you at all times. And we'll feed you vegetables. And um, it was totally a vegan place except for the half and half. Thank goodness. Um, (laughs) And, uh, and the itinerary was filled with things like Reiki. Like I did Reiki, right. That was my first session. And then the next one was guided imagery, which I'm totally fascinated with. And I want to go down a rabbit hole of YouTube videos. And the next one was, we did yoga, we did expressive writing, which was journaling. And what was interesting was like speaking as we're going to start talking about decisions, Um, the expressive writing was really to give us prompts and then to talk about the prompts and kind of talk about what we said and see how it can be done in a different way, you know, because we all had very different answers, Mm -hmm. but recognizing that one of the main reasons that people don't journal is because they sit down and they can't decide what to write. Yeah. And they don't know what to say. So we spent an hour with her giving us prompts. And saying like, I would highly recommend you do these prompts, like just use these prompts, like just go through them and pick whichever one you want to do on that any given day or just, or don't do that. Just have an order and say, this is the day I answer this. This is the day I answer that. Um, And so, but it was interesting because as we're going to be talking about decisions and um, decision fatigue and all of this, I think for you, I'm sure one of the things that was nice about your weekend, I'm assuming, was not having to make decisions for other people. Yeah. Although and, I, you know, I will say 
at no point in my life does that ever actually end. Well, I just no. decided to turn it off for a couple of days and like right. that required active participation on my part. <laughs> like I'm not making these decisions today. I am not yeah. dealing with this today. I'm not even looking at my phone, etc. But I think that that is so important that we give our brains that space because Absolutely. you've done all this research and I've read it and there is a lot of research, not just about decision fatigue, but about how we make decisions mm-hmm. and which is of course what today's episode is about, right. but, but there is actually a way to make a decision, not just like decide, like just yes. go do it. Yeah. And I think that when we are caught up in making decisions every day, making like a hundred decisions. And some of them are like, what am I going to make for lunch? What am I going to make for breakfast? What am I going to feed my people in my life? And other ones are like, what rule am I choosing to enforce in my home today? (laughs) Cause I don't have the energy to enforce them all. Right. I think we can't, we often don't take the time or that have the energy to think about how to make a decision. So I'm hoping that because I went away for the weekend and you kind of had a slight respite that um, not only is it going to be exciting to talk about this, but we are actually maybe going to implement some of this ourselves because we have had some space. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, just doing this research, and this is why I was excited to do this episode, but also like, oh, I really don't want to be doing this. Um, is <laughs> I, you know, a lot of these things that we're about to talk about, I, you know, I personally will employ in yeah. in dealing with the sort of everydayness of life. Um, before we get into that, let's take a second and talk about, you know, what is decision making? Like, why why are we even talking about this? So um, just definitionally, which I don't even know if that's a word, but I'm gonna make it one. Um, it. Decision making is a process of choosing between possibilities. Okay. Um, part of problem solving. Decision making can take... Um, all different kinds of forms and it can be involved in your business. It can be involved in your personal life. It could be involved in, you know, like it's every part of your life requires decision-making of some kind. And so, you know, that's one of the reasons we want to talk about this is because it's such a huge part of our lives. And when we're talking about a season of um, living in a limitless life, like how do I get to the point where I am living the life I want to be living in in, you know, my everyday part of that is learning how to make decisions and feel good about them for the most part, or like deal with them or adapt to them. And one of the most interesting things I sort of encountered, and I knew this, um, on some level, but like had not seen it written down and in black and white for me. But one of the things I encountered in doing this research is really the key to making decisions that you will be, more or less happy with later on is understanding your own values and what Mm -hmm. your priorities and purpose are in life. Because when we align our decision to our values and our purpose and our core understanding of who we are, then those decisions usually, not always, but usually take us in the direction that we really want to be going. Um, And an example of this is like, you know, maybe you're offered a promotion and a pay raise and you're sitting there going, I don't know, do I take it? Do I not take it? It's, you know, it's more work. It's not more work, et cetera, et cetera. If you know your values and you know that like one of your core values and is, is spending time with your young children, maybe taking on more responsibility at work right now 
doesn't align with those values. And so culturally, you would look at that and go, what do you, how can you turn down a promotion and more money? That's crazy. But right. in in your own world, it may not align with who you are. Um, so that's why we are talking about decision-making. It's not just like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired of deciding every day what to feed my children. Cause I right. don't get me wrong. I am, but like, there's so many layers to this. So, um, that's where we're starting at. There's all kinds of decisions. You know, there's routine decisions. Those are like, we were just talking about You're like, what am I going to eat for lunch today? What socks am I going to wear? Is my, you know, what's the weather and how does that impact my choices for today? Um, and then there are these sort of, um, strategic decisions, which oftentimes relate to your, um, employment, like your business, whatever you do for work, but they can also apply to your life. And these are the sort of long-term high level decisions that determine direction. Um, so whether it's, uh, whether it's your business and like what strategies you might employ in your business, or if it's your career, you know, you're thinking about your career trajectory or you're thinking about where you're going to live, those kinds of things. Um, and then there's major life decisions, which can vary depending on what you think is important, right? Like it might, I think anyone would think having kids is a, a major life decision, right? Like that. yeah, I <laughs> that's hope a big so. one. Getting married is a major life decision. Um, you, buying a house is probably a major life decision um, that most of us can't afford these days, but that's a whole other topic. Um, So anyway, I I don't want to like go too far into the weeds of the kinds of decisions you can make because the strategies that we're going to apply, apply to really all decisions. Um, And so what I do want to talk about before we dive into like what impacts how we make decisions is um like i think the biggest impact and that is what you were talking about tova and that's decision fatigue and um what that means is it's describing how our decision making gets worse as we make additional choices and our cognitive abilities get worn out which really means we're just tired like yeah your brain is tired and you're on emotional overload and the reason i want to talk about this is because i don't want to fail to mention the the burden of mental load, right? Whether you're a mom and you're carrying like all the mental load for your family, whether you're a dad and you're carrying all the mental load for you, whoever you are. And if you are the one carrying the mental load that impacts your, um, decision fatigue in a, in a severe and meaningful way. And, you know, um, we, we often talk about parenting because we are in fact parents. Um, but even if, you know, studies have shown that when a man and a woman get married, a woman adds more labor, like, and work to her life, like the, which seems very strange because it's like two adults who should be doing adulting things, but a woman actually adds more. So this could be a situation with, uh, two partners where one is taking on the mental load of the relationship. Right. Um, it doesn't necessarily even have to be, um, parents um yeah i mean it could be at work right like yeah 100 if you're the person at work who's always doing all the birthday parties and all i was just gonna say the birthday parties which often defaults to women yes um and the other thing you know this was something and i don't know if you came across this um directly although i think it, it just goes to decision fatigue you know that i have turned off or attempt to turn off although sometimes that they don't turn off and it it makes my head explode. Um, notifications on my phone. Right. 
Because many, many years ago, I was listening to a podcast and she was talking about decision fatigue and she talked about how, and it was actually Shailene Johnson's podcast. I actually know who it was, so I should attribute it to her since half the time I don't remember who it was. Yeah. Um, but uh, she had somebody on who was, and I don't know who that was, but they were talking about how, yes, it's a bigger deal to decide if you're going to take that new job. Or if you're going to, you know, where your child, you know, as you're helping your child navigate going to a college, that process or something. But every decision, like I've always thought about it, like we only have so many decisions we can make in a day and every decision takes energy. And it's when that's when I tur started turning off notifications on my phone, because if I get a notification pop up, I have to look at it or I have to decide, am I going to look at it? And then I have to decide, um, Am I going to open it up? Am I going to do what it wants me to do? Like there's all these little tiny decisions when you'd get a beep on your phone. And it's yeah. one of the reasons that I got rid of it. Cause I was like, okay, if my brain only has so many decisions in any given day that it can handle, like I need to save them for like bigger ones, <laughs> even if they're not bigger ones, just like right. more necessary ones. <laughs> well, and this kind of goes to my earlier point in my, like my whole thought process throughout researching this episode and that is like everybody's decision making process kind of follows the same steps but our um what what impacts us varies tremendously right and so what we have to figure out as we're going through this process is what are our limits and like what is what actually impacts us what bothers us what weighs on us like my notifications i don't care they don't bother me, but yours do. And those are both valid, right? And so what mm -hmm. you have to do is figure out for you what is the um what is the limiting factor, right? Like what is is pushing those buttons for you? Um, and I think it's just very important to to recognize that there are those differences. Like while we're, I'm a, I'm gonna get into the process in a minute, and there those are gonna look the same pretty much for everybody. This is one of those moments where like the process is the process. Um, and the question becomes like, what are the things that make it hard for you to make decisions, right? Like right. what are, and figuring that out. So let's talk about that. And then like, to, and then we'll, we'll dive into a break, but. Well, and I really fast, I just want to highlight something you say, like, yes, the process, but as you said, like, um, what are you letting in? Like that, just, as you said that, that was just like, whoa, because, you know, in our women's circle, um, when we've talked about like how we make decisions. There are some people who are like, I just don't care what they think. Yeah. And I'm like, what's that? What's that like? <laughs> <laughs> like, what does what does that feel like? Because I yeah. do think, and and, and you're going to go more into it because you you know, um, but like those factors and what's influencing you, um, sometimes I think I make it harder for me to make decisions than it needs to be. Yeah, absolutely. Because I'm bringing in way too many factors. Absolutely. We all do this. And this is what I want to talk about now. And then, and then we'll get to a break, but, um, there are so many factors that influence mm -hmm. our ability to make decisions. One of those is cognitive bias. So cognitive bias is a set of predictable mental errors that arise from our limited ability to process information objectively. Okay. Um, that can result in illogical and irrational decisions, and it can cause you to misjudge risks and threats. But there's like, I, and I didn't say this, Tova, but all the way at the bottom, there's like a list of 45 different 
cognitive biases. Right. And so I do want to talk about a few of them because they're important, Mm -hmm. but what, but the point of bringing this up is that recognize you probably have some bias, right? Like there are probably some things sneaking in to your decision-making process that is not uh, necessarily conscious, right? These are bias comes in without us meaning for it to. Um, Well, and, and also I think that with cognitive bias, um, there's a reason it exists, right? Like it's not good, but mm-hmm. like it also lets you make a very snap decision sometimes. Yes. And and that's that can be bad when you're making these larger decisions, but it can but it it could like you're saying like it could cause you to misjudge threats and risks. Theoretically it could also keep you safer. Um Yeah. But it, or it the, could but like to the detriment of society. Yeah, yes. But it could also help you make like some snap decisions that you really shouldn't I mean, I hate to say shouldn't we try not to do that yes. on here, but that really need not cause the kind of time delay that they might be causing otherwise. Like, what do you eat for lunch? Now I get hung up on that question all the time. Do I really yeah. need to be hung up on that question? No, it's what eat whatever is there. Eat it. It's fine. Um, it, it, but it gets in the way. So I just want to dive into a few of these um biases is that how you say it i don't know i don't know what's happening today um but but the most common type of bias is confirmation bias and this is when you look for information that supports your existing belief right like and you you just sort of ignore everything that doesn't support your belief so like even if you know 75% of the data says the opposite of what you think is true you're like <laughs> but that 25% is really telling me that i'm right um, so that can, <laughs> that can, I mean, that really so, confirms that this is accurate. <laughs> yeah, it is so common and we all do this, but it's good to notice it. Right. Cause then if you're noticing, you're seeing in the moment, like, oh, wait a minute, <laughs> am I just thinking this is right? Because I want it to be right. Or right. Right. So that's, that's like the most common type of bias. Um, there is uh, something called anchoring, which I found sort of fascinating, and I know I do it. And it, this is this is the idea of jumping to conclusions, but it's more than that. It's you're basing your final decision on information you got in the beginning of the process. So like you've anchored your decision to whatever you learned like day one, and you're mm-hmm. not really paying attention to day ten, um, because and and I think it aligns with confirmation bias as well because you know you're like oh but in on day one it said you know, I felt this way. Um, so those, those can get in the way of our, um, I don't know, more logical decision-making processes. Yeah. Right. Um, well, I also I think it, it also gets in the way because we think we're being logical. Yes. Yeah. That's why it's so like, deceptive. It's, it's not just, it's not just that it gets in the way of being logical. It gets in the way because it, we think we're being logical. Like we think that, and, and, that what we're doing is um, taking in all the information that we need when right. we're not, or we're yeah. not even bringing in the right information. Yeah. Um, a couple more real quick. Uh, bandwagon bias. This is something we see everywhere all the time. And it is, I think, pretty dangerous. I th- this is group think. This is when, you know, you form an opinion or an attachment to an idea because the people around you have. And so you're not really thinking for yourself. You're just following, you know, you've gotten on the bandwagon and you're following what everyone else 
has said is true. Um, and that is dangerous. Like that's where we get into these polarizing sort of situations we find our country in now. Um, and so really please think for yourself. Um, yeah. the other one that I like, which because I'm a nerd and I think it's funny, um, is the gambler's fallacy. So this is the idea that you expect past events to influence the future. So like you just keep, you know, you won one hand of blackjack and then you're like 20 more hands in and you've lost all of those. And you're like, but I won that one. And so it's going to happen again. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's what we do sort of a lot of times. Like I made this decision once and it worked out. Then I made it 15 right. times and it really went badly. Um, but that one time could happen again. So just, you know, a cop, like keep these in the back of your mind. Um, if you're interested in it, there is so much data on decision-making. It is like, talk about, I think it's fatigue. very fascinating. <laughs> um, yeah. I got, I got like down the rabbit hole on this one. Yeah. For, for all the reasons that you, you just said, uh, from everything from like how we make decisions to how society got to where it is. Yeah. It's just like, Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's, it, it's a little mind blowing. So I would encourage everyone to just start Googling and researching because it's, it is a very interesting topic. Um, so those are a few of the cognitive biases that we might have. There are, I don't know, there were lists of like 20, 30, 40. There are so many different right. studies out there. So if you want to know more, just, um, you know, reach out to us or Google it, you know, either way. Um, but a couple other factors that influence our decision-making, our emotional intelligence. What I mean by that really is like, how in tune are you with your feelings? Like, are you aware of how you feel? Are you aware of what feelings feel like in your body? Um, do you understand that, you know, heck yes from your body versus that no, no, no from your body? Um, right. Those are things that not everybody is aware of. And the more we are, the better our decision making will be in theory. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when, when accounting for all of the biases we just talked about. Um, and then there's two more things, um, external factors, you know, and that's what we were talking about earlier, all those social cues, like you yeah. should be doing this. You should be taking that high pay raise and, and, you know, 30 more hours a week of work. Um, those kinds of, you should, you ought to, everyone else is doing it. That sort of stuff comes into play when we're making decisions. And then I think one of the more important ones as well is fear and anxiety. Now, um, when I'm talking about anxiety, I mean, like, like, like actual anxiety, right? Not just like, yeah. Oh, I'm a little bit nervous. I mean, right. Full anxiety really gets in the way of making decisions. Um, and if you do any research on this, you'll find, um, when, when fear or anxiety takes over, you're more likely to make a bad decision. And the reason you're more likely to make a bad decision is because anxiety impacts the part of the brain responsible for decision-making and memory. It is literally tied together. So if right. you have anxiety and you're like, why can't I make a good decision? That's why. Well, that's why. Um, yeah. Or why is it so hard to make a decision? Also why? So keep those in your, in your head as we go through what the decision-making process looks like. Um, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to go through like the, the six steps of decision-making and what does that mean? Uh, we will be right back, everyone. Well, hello there, ladies. Are you ready to elevate your life and connect with like-minded souls? 
Join us every week at the Go Boldly Together weekly women's circle, where strength meets sisterhood. Dive into empowering discussions, share your victories, and navigate challenges together. Our circle is a safe space for growth and inspiration. Experience the power of collective wisdom and unleash your full potential. Don't miss out on the transformative energy. Click the link in our show notes or visit us at goboldlyinitiative.com backslash women's weekly group to learn more about our Go Boldly Circle today. Together, let's embrace the journey of personal development and let's celebrate that unstoppable force within each of us. All right, welcome back to the show. So before the break, I said we were going to talk about the decision-making process. Um, I'm going to just say what the steps are, and then we'll talk a little bit about what each of those mean. So the first step, identifying what the decision is, right? Like that's, that's the logical first step. So what, which by the way, can be more complicated than it seems. I think it's almost always more complicated unless you're (laughs) making an easy decision, like a, you know, a basic, like daily decision. Um, I right. think it's quite hard. But even if it's like like just going back to your lunch decision, like what am I gonna have for lunch? Like you said, it can be very straightforward. Whatever I have in my fridge, that's what I'm gonna have for lunch. And yet it's so easy to be like, oh, but what if I had this? Or what if I ran out? Or what if I ordered that? Like and yeah, and like it's like, well, that's not the decision that you have today. The decision right. is what from this refrigerator will you eat? Right. Exactly. <laughs> and um, and I think, yeah, we often are not even sure what the right decision, like like what decision we're trying to make is. <laughs> yeah, because so much clutter gets in the way of the right. actual like baseline. What is the decision? What is in front of me right now? Like what right. is the decision right. in this exact right. moment? Right. Um and that leads to, to of course, step two, and that is gathering information. So you research, you collect the relevant data, then you analyze your options, evaluate your pros and cons, that kind of thing. Um, and then you make a decision. So what's the best course of action for you at that time? Um, yeah. And then you implement the decision. So execute the decision, do the thing, and then you follow up. And this is the part that gets lost a lot, I think. And that is when you assess the outcome of the decision you made like was it the right decision did it go well did it did the outcome go the way that i wanted it to um so those are the basic steps of decision making right um it's way more complicated than that right like if it was that easy we wouldn't even be having this episode um so let's go back to talking about identifying the decision you have to make um when we have decisions in front of us, I think one of the most um, helpful things to do in figuring out like, okay, but what is the, what is really the decision um, is to, to think about the, not just um, what the outcome is you want, but to think about the impact of the decisions and to think about like what's happening in the moment that is causing this decision to even arise. So you have to really like sort of holistically look at the conversation around the decision. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I know I have the tendency and this is probably where fear and anxiety gets in the way of thinking that I'm making a bigger decision than I am Mm -hmm. and thinking that there will be larger repercussions with that decision than there actually are. Right. Right. And so 
that can cause me to not want to make a decision because I think, well, if I decide this, then this will happen and this will happen and this will happen and all these things will happen, you know, and then it's like, but will they really like, or is this just a little decision that you can make? Right. And I think that that can cause um, not just an avoidance of making decisions, but also keeping me from using these decision-making strategies <laughs> because I'm just, you know, so sure that there's a, 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 I will be starting a dominoes effect. Right. That like, if you make that one decision, then that makes like 16 other decisions in, inherently. What I read and it's like, yeah, of course, but you know what I, <laughs> but I didn't think about it beforehand. What I read while doing this is like not making a decision is in fact making a decision, right? Yes. And so we forget that sometimes that like you cannot avoid life. It happens. And so yeah. you make a decision and there's an outcome and all of those things, or you don't make a decision. There's still an outcome to not making the decision. Maybe you don't eat lunch. Maybe you don't get out of bed. Maybe, uh, you know, you just stay in a job that where you're unhappy. Maybe you don't get married. You know, like there's so many things that come into play about not making a decision that it, right. that we forget, you know, that there, that that's reality that like, whether you make the decision or not, life keeps moving. Um, which is like awful, but it does. Um, so let's the talk decision a little... gets made, right? Yeah, exactly. Whether you're a part of it or not. So some decision-making strategies that you can employ when you're going through this identifying, gathering, analyzing, making, implementing, and following up, right? Like that's how I'm looking at the, this process. Um, you can do decision trees. This is brainstorming. I don't know why they have to make it so complicated. A decision, it's like, a decision tree and then I feel like I have to draw so like I'm then I'm not making it I do it means like I have to draw a tree yeah <laughs> right I feel right like I'm like branches and yeah I do like this concept though of visualizing choices and potential outcomes and yes I've been seeing a lot in my Instagram feed somehow about you know we are and we talked about worst case scenarios last season and how they can yeah. actually be really helpful yep um but it's not just about making the the worst case or analyzing the worst case scenario or the um, the best case scenario. I've seen a lot talk about well, what's the most likely scenario, like, and I think that's one that we we sort of avoid when we're decision making sometimes, where we're like so yeah. focused on the best or the worst outcome, and neither of those are usually the most likely outcome. Well, right, because the world's not black and white. <laughs> what? We forget. We forget. Yeah. And we really need to focus on, well, okay, what's most likely to happen when we're making our decision? Not that, you know, you may not want to look at the best and worst, but just all, most of our energy should be focused on the most likely. Yeah. I think that's such a good point. And using the decision tree, which is brainstorming again, <laughs> um, can, can really help with that. And I also think it can really help with just figuring out what the decision actually is in the first place. Right. Um, right. Because if you start out thinking the decision is, am I going to seek a different job or not? When really the decision, you know, and then you start brainstorming and you write things down and all this stuff happens. And then at the end, you might realize, well, the decision really is, do I want to prioritize time with my family or making right. money. And sometimes we have to make that choice. And that 
that's awful. And that's a whole other episode about culture, but, um, it, but it's, but it's real, right? Like sometimes that is the choice that we have to make. And then it becomes a different conversation in your head of, okay, well, what are my values? What's, you know, what do I need right now? Like economically, what do I need? Uh, emotionally, what do I need? And those right. things can then be appropriately applied to the decision because you know what the decision is. Yeah. Um, you can do a SWOT analysis. This is very like markety sort of thing. Um, but you can use it in, you know, your regular personal life as well. And that is, um, an assessment of strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Right. And so you basically just write down like all of those things. You write down the strengths about the decision. Like this is almost like a pros and cons, but it's more in depth. And then you write down what are the weaknesses involved in this decision? What are the opportunities the decision will create? And what are the threats or risks in associated with um, with the decision? So if you have sort of that sort of background, that might be a helpful way for you to think about um, making decisions. I don't find it helpful for me, but I do think we all um, we all have different tools that will resonate with us. So I wanted to share that one. Yeah. Um, cost benefit analysis. This is probably my favorite tool. This is the tool that makes the most sense to me. And, um, you're really just weighing the advantages versus the disadvantages, right? Like what am I putting into it and what am I getting out of it? So that's one, you know, fairly simple way of using whatever gathered information you have about making the decision in order to sort of figuring out like, is this the right way to go for me? Um, and then of course the, the good old fashioned pros and cons list, right? Like that we all made, uh, I don't know, sometime in the eighties, I think it's when I remember doing that. Um, but it's, you know, it's a simple way to evaluate kind of the decision that you're making and you could do it on the fly. You can do this when it comes yeah. to lunch, you know, what are the pros and cons do if I go out to get lunch, it's going to cost me money. I'm going to have to take time, but maybe I'll have a more delicious lunch, right? Like those are the pros and cons. And you can do that in your head very quickly. Um, well, and I think that sometimes these you start with one and you go into the other, right? Yeah. So you start in the pro cons list and then it kind of turns into a cost benefit analysis, but you just have to get, mm -hmm. or you start with the decision tree and it turns into a cost benefit analysis. Cause yep. I'm not sure the big difference other than how it would look between a pro con list and a decision tree. Yeah. <laughs> You're just really brain. It gets a brain dump. It's a, okay, what could happen? Right. Um, and sometimes I, at least, you know, if we're talking truly like on, yeah, these are the how to's, but I think a lot of us experience, or at least I experience, if I do a brain dump of like, okay, what, what's actually, what do I know? Like, what do I actually know here when I'm making this decision? The decision can be very obvious. Yeah. And I mean, I often know what decision I want to make by who I want to call to talk about the decision. <laughs> because yeah, that's that confirmation bias right there. A hundred percent, but it, it, I know I'm doing it. Of course. And so we it's like, oh, it. okay, if it. I'm calling this person, then this is the decision I want to make. Yep. And then I have to think like, okay, but if I call this person and I share this decision, like, are they going to be like, that's an awful decision. And if that's the case, like I want to be able to stand up for my decision. So maybe this isn't a good decision if I don't really feel like I can stand up for it, if that makes sense. Right. Uh, so yes. Yeah. Like I want, I, I, yeah. I, I want to address that because I think it's, it's really important. We're going to skip ahead in order to address it, but you, <laughs> you raised it and it's, so I have this list of like 20 decision-making tips, but one of them 
and we'll get to that later, but one of them applies to this and it is about your intuition and your gut, right? And it is about understanding that your gut reaction is real and valid. And it is scientifically shown to actually be a valuable tool, right? It's not just like on a whim, you're making a decision. So if you, you know, go to the, one of the examples they gave was if you go to flip a coin and you're like, I really hope it's heads. Um, then you know whatever the heads was is the decision you need to be making. I mean, that was um, something um, that my mom did. What I at least I remember, and I've done with my kids a lot. I'll be like, just flip a coin, and they'll be yeah. like, "What do you mean?" I'm like, just flip a coin, and your gut will tell you whether it's what you want or wasn't what you want. If you're right. disappointed, then you've had your de- you have your decision. Yeah, and and the thing that I found fascinating in reading all of this is that the gut contains many of the same neurotransmitters as the brain. Right. What? Um, and though, and it uses those neurotransmitters to send information to the brain. So your intuition is filtering decisions for you. It is helping you to make decisions that are, 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 are real and valid. It's not just like, oh, red. Well, and I think what the, something that's important is when we're talking about your gut, we're talking about like, trust your gut sounds like a figurative statement, but it is literally your gut. (laughs) Like we were talking about trust your actual thing that is digesting your food. (laughs) Um, But you had mentioned like the confirmation bias. And I think a hundred percent that that is, is accurate. I also know, like, I think it's, I think, you know, if you're listening to this and you're learning about decision-making and you haven't done a lot of deep dives into understanding how you make your own decisions, Mm -hmm. like I know something about myself. I know that my first intuition of somebody like, or my first impression, if I'm getting like red flags, you know, like big, big red flags, I can trust that. However, I also know I often don't like people the first time I met them. Um, If I meet them and I like them, then like amazing. And we'll start a podcast together and join our families. But like, (laughs) if, just as an example. But um, if I meet somebody and I don't like them, but it's not like red flags don't like them. It's not like sweaty palms. This person makes me uncomfortable because that I trust a hundred percent. Yes. And we all should. And we all should. Um, But if it's just like, "Mm, I don't know if I like her very much. (laughs) I know that that is often wrong. That I just don't like new people um, many times. Mm -hmm. Or if it's not the right environment Or I know that I'm very influenced, but it's just like, it's just a first impression thing. And so I know I have done this on more than one occasion where I've had to like work with somebody in a committee or work with somebody at work where I'm like, I need to push through that first impression. And once again, it's not red flag per first impression. I just keep saying that because I think it's really important. Like do not push through this is just a like I don't like new people. <laughs> yeah, and it could, and, or it could be like an I'm slightly insecure in this moment, and therefore I'm slightly insecure, or it might be like I don't or... I don't love that person, and they're associated, yeah. and that and and but I don't know if they're actually associated. They could literally have been just standing next to each other right, when I right. met the other person. Like they may have, they could have met five minutes earlier. <laughs> but I'd be like, oh, you're friends with her, like oh. and. You know, and yeah. oh, so yeah. I have learned there. um 
to push, to give people a second or third impression. And yeah. actually, especially if I have to work with them in some context, get to know them better. Listen, if after the third or fourth impression, I'm still like, eh, I don't really like that person. Like, okay, I, be- yeah. I be- get it. Yeah. But I have like, so these, I think it's really important to say, not to say I'm never going to use cognitive bias or I'm never going to be prejudiced, not in a like, racist sense, but just in prejudice because I already know information, but say like, I know that I am, I know that this is my first reaction. I know that this is what my intuition says. And, um, and then go from there. Right. And go and say like, okay, but how, you know, what will I do with this information? Yeah. And I think this goes to what you were saying earlier about how these cognitive biases exist for a reason, right? Like they're not always unhelpful like they can be helpful tools they can be things that help us um make decisions if we know ourselves if we like you've done the work to know who you are and how you react like but you have to be self-aware enough to know that about yourself to be to be able to like use that confirmation bias as we were just discussing like i'm gonna call you know this person because this is the decision i really want to make but i need you know, the support to make it or whatever. Um, and yeah. And I think, and I'll just, I'll say one more thing and and, and we'll keep going. Cause this is such a fascinating topic, but mm-hmm. like, I, I remember we've talked about it in the past, but I read the, the, um, I was gonna say president Obama, but Michelle Obama's book, mm-hmm. um, the light week, I don't remember the name of it, but it's her more recent one. And she talked about how that voice in your head is trying to keep you safe, mm-hmm. but it's trying to keep you safe from like perceived danger, not necessarily actual danger. Like the thought is stay on the path that you're on. Do not change. Stay here. Do not go other places. Yeah. And so I think often cognitive bias is doing the same thing. It's the same voice. It's keeping you safe from things that are not necessarily threats or risks. Right. And it's like, wait, I, I actually didn't need to be kept safe from that. Like you've actually prevented me from having this experience because you're keeping me safe from something that I don't need to be kept safe from. Yeah. And so I think that is really important. Like, yeah, some of this is to keep you safe from risks and threats, but some of them are not actually risks and threats. Yeah. No, I agree. Absolutely. I think that's all absolutely true. Um, Let's take another quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about um, overcoming decision-making challenges and how to improve your decision-making skills. Um, So we will be right back, everyone. Hey, pod friends. It's us again. Looking for a place to collaborate, an opportunity to share your knowledge? Have you been working so hard on a podcast, book, course, product, or retreat? Do you have insights that could light up our podcast? Well, we want to hear from you. We would love to support you in all that you are and do. Join us at Go Boldly Initiative, where we celebrate diverse perspectives and share the wisdom of our incredible community. Whether you're an expert, a hobbyist, or simply love learning, we invite you to reach out with your ideas. Visit our website at goboldlyinitiative.com backslash podcast guests to pitch the show or shoot us an email at hello at goboldlyinitiative.com to talk all things collaboration, advertising, and affiliation opportunities. Become part of our growing family. Let's make learning an adventure together. All right. Welcome back to the show. 
So before the break, uh, we were sort of wrapping up a little bit and now we're going to move on to how to overcome some of the um, larger well-known decision-making challenges. And I think the first one on my list is um, something I struggled with certainly in my teens, twenties, probably even a little bit in my thirties. Um, and that is the fear of failure and perfectionism. Um, these things are, you know, sometimes it's our temperament. Sometimes it's how we were raised. Sometimes it's a combination. Um, but a lot of us get stuck in this cycle of fearing failure and fearing not being perfect and not knowing how to function in a world where we are not perfect all the time. Um, and you know, one of the things that I, I found interesting is that if you're that in my reading or whatever, is that if you're a perfectionist, um, you might, and you might start to collect every single piece of information available and have to sort of spend all your time on that data collection and analysis before you even make a decision. I think the other um, thing that is relevant in this conversation is a lot of us perfectionists um, and even recovering perfectionists like myself have a hard time even making a decision before they're already perfect at the decision that they've decided to make. Right. And I don't, I I don't want to ruin anybody's watching of the Gilmore girls, but it's been out for 20 years. Right. So yeah, I think it's all right. Spoiler alert. Go for it. Um, But if you don't want to know where Rory decides to go to college and how she decides it, wait 30 seconds and then come back to the podcast. Um, So, you know, Rory, Rory decides that she's going to Harvard. The, The first three seasons are Harvard, Harvard, Harvard. She's going to Harvard. And then she visits Harvard and she visits Yale and she, I assume, visits other schools that we just don't see. And um, she realizes that she starts to see that Yale is what she actually, where she wants to go. Right. She has been so, I'm not going to Yale. I'm not going to Yale. So she makes a pro-con list. And the pro-con list is so clearly Yale. Like everything from, I think, like where you can park and the the professor to student ratio. I mean, she goes through like perfectionism, right? Like I'm going to look at everything. And even then she's like, I can't make this decision because all along I'm going to Harvard. And it takes her mom to be like, no, it's Yale. Like it is, you've, you've done your analysis. You've looked at everything. Um, but it's Yale. You picked Yale. Like, and I think um, her mom like plasters the town with Yale stuff. And then it's suddenly like, okay, yeah, this actually feels right. Yeah. But it's interesting because she she does a lot of the things we're talking about. She does her pro-con list. It's a running joke throughout the show about yeah. how she likes her pro-con list. But she does her pro-con list. But she's still afraid that maybe she's missing information. Maybe there's more that she needs because it's not pointing to her the direction that she wants it to point to or thinks that it's supposed to point to. Yeah. And so it's just, I, I find the whole thing de- interesting and it, but it did take going to someone else and being like, it's clear that you've made this decision. Like the decision is made. You've made the decision. You can stop doing research. Um, it's here. It's yeah. just because it wasn't what you were looking for. So I think oftentimes, especially- a bigger decision, like where you're going to go to college, we, there's so much going into it, right? There's our desire, our desire to get every possible scenario and have that covered in a pro con list. We think that we can do that, which is not possible, but we think we can. 
And then also we know like the answer that we want to come to maybe, which I think often can slow down your decision. Like in your head, you're like, well, I, this is what I always thought I would decide. And then if the, the signs don't point to that, then you are, you keep looking for more signs until they yeah. point to the decision that you thought that, that they should point to. Um, anyway, yeah. I just, I, I often, oddly enough, think of that episode and think of her decisions and how she made them because it, it goes to a lot of what we're talking about. Um, and it, it can be a really interesting thing. And then one more thing, and then we can, we can move on. Cause I like all the other stuff that's coming up, but what I also found was interesting. What I think about a lot is she started putting things on her list, things on her list that didn't matter to her. Like, I don't remember what they were, but it was like, she was collecting data, but it was like this, you're never going to be part of that club. Like you don't want to join that club. So right. like, why does it matter that Harvard has one and Yale doesn't? You're not going to join that club. It's like a men's club or I don't know what it was, but it was just like, we, I think we can get overburdened by pulling in more information than we need and think that we are taking in and we're like, no, no, we just want more decisions. We just want more decisions. Yeah. Um, when it, or we want more information when it's like, yeah, but I don't need to know that information that doesn't affect me. Yeah. It's all. not real. It's not relevant to my actual desire yeah. or, or choice. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, and I think, you know, I, I want to talk a little bit more about this fear mm -hmm. aspect and how, how fear of failure can be so paralyzing for so many of us. Um, in one of the things I was reading and, and I, I think, you know, I've certainly experienced this is the idea that if you make a decision, that's it, right? Like it cuts off all other decisions. And that is fear. That is a fear-based, scarcity-based sort of mindset. And um, when we get stuck in that idea that if I make this decision, if I take the left instead of the right road, then I will never be able to get back to the right road again. It's gone forever. Um, and generally speaking, that's just not real. That's that's our fear. That's our anxiety. That's society. That's so many other things outside of reality because we, we, most of us, fortunately, live long lives and have lots of opportunities that will arise and you never know. You just never know what's going to come. Um, there's no way to know. And so if we base a decision on fear, then we're not necessarily making the right decision for us. Because if you're just deciding, I'm going to go to Harvard because I'm afraid that, I mean, this is the most ridiculous example ever <laughs> because choosing between those two schools, like you can't lose. Um, but if, you know, if you're afraid of making a different decision, cause all your life you thought you would go to Harvard, yeah. then, um, you know, okay. So you go to Yale. Oh no. And transfer to Harvard later. Cause you didn't like Yale and Yale and you really wanted to be at Harvard. Okay. Like that's the part of, um, decision-making that people forget, right? It's that it's not, it's not all or nothing. Like it's, is it, it's rarely the case that you make a decision and you can never come back from it, or you can never make a different kind of decision. It's just so yeah. rare that there are decisions like that out there, but we oftentimes find ourselves thinking like in that black and white way, that all or nothing thought process. Um, so that's one like major, um, decision-making challenge is the fear of failure and the, the need to be perfect. Um, one, one thing I read in a study, which Tova and I were talking about before we started, is that uh, 
that the army, for example, employs a 70% rule in decision-making. Now I did read this in a journal. I am assuming it's true. If it's not, and you are in the military and you want to let us know, that's, that's totally fine. Um, but you know, the concept is that once you have 70% of the information available, you can move forward and make a decision. Um, the, a good decision on time is better than a perfect decision too late. And so, um, I think we could all apply that to our lives. And I think this goes to if, if you, like you said earlier, not making a decision is making a decision. Yeah. If you're making a perfect decision late, the decision might've already passed. Like the time to make the decision, especially, I mean, sometimes in our lives, we don't, we're not working on a deadline, but it's like, if I, you know, if, if one of my boys are deciding between a club and a travel program for a sport. Right. And we go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth until we find exactly where we should end up, but we miss the deadline for signing up, then the decision yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, it's great. It's a it's perfect done. decision. Does not matter. <laughs> um, and yeah. so I, I think, you know, I think this is a really interesting point. And I know we talked about it. I don't actually know if we talked about it on the show recently or if we just talked about it. But I that the concept that you can also change your decisions, like yeah. you can go to Yale and transfer to Harvard. Or when we had David on last year and he was like, if my new business doesn't work out, I'll go back to the old thing. And like I think, yes, there is there are some decisions, you know, that you cannot reverse. Right. But many of them, like the large majority of them are actually not those types of decisions, I would argue. That like yeah. almost so many decisions that we make in our lives are ones that you can, you can't reverse time, but that you can say, oh, I'm going to go this way. I'm going to zig when I thought I'd zag. Exactly. And like I zagged a little and now I'm back to zigging. Like you can. And so I think that um, that speaks to not a need to be perfect, but also recognizing that there is no something, there's no such thing as perfection when it comes to decision-making. You just can't, it doesn't work that way. There, yeah. I mean, let's be honest. There's no such thing as perfection, full stop, right? Like nothing is perfect. It's never going to be perfect. Okay. Um, and that's a real hard thing for me yeah. to actually let come out of my face because I am, <laughs> I have struggled with perfectionism my entire life. Um, so procrastination and indecision, which is a little bit of what you were just talking about before, Tova. And that is yeah. like, you have too much information, too many choices, and you become overwhelmed with all of those, those thoughts. But then also the procrastination, which is like, okay, I'm going to get to the decision. I'm going to get to it. And then you finally get to it. And it's, it is too late. Like, like you were saying, like the deadline passed or, uh, the promotion yeah. went to somebody else or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and the other um the other aspect of all of that is that it's exhausting right like to constantly be trying to make a decision and not making a decision is tiring like you you will wear yourself out like i have had this happen to me where um i know i need to make a decision about something and i need to let everyone know what that decision is and then i sit on it and, you know, part of that is the perfectionism. Part of that is the fear of failure. They're like, it all comes together. Right. Um, but by the time I make the decision, I'm exhausted. I'm like, oh God. I, yeah. And then, you know, and then there's the great relief of having made the decision. And you're like, man, I wish I had made that like a month ago because that I wouldn't have been sitting here thinking about it this whole time. Well, there's also, oh gosh, what is the saying about trouble or problems? 
Problem not borrowing trouble. That well, one. yeah, but it's like a, it's a combination of a, it's like mushroom, the mushrooms and problems are the same where like they both grow in the dark. Oh, I don't know that one. It's from a show, a book, TV, movie, who knows? <laughs> um, but, and I, I think that the same thing can be said for decisions mm. that like, if you're struggling with a decision and you just keep pushing it away and keeping it in the closet because you can't deal with it, the decision yeah often does get bigger, right? Because maybe there were little decisions on the way, or maybe the impact of the decision or your fear of making the decision can get bigger and scarier. Just like, you know, mushrooms in the dark. I don't know. I don't know it. where it came from, but I love I it. Either, and I think it goes to what you're saying. Like when yeah. you're trying not to make a decision or not wanting to share the decision or, you know, not want, not wanting to see the impact of what people will say about your decision um and you push it off and you push it off and you push it off then when you do finally make a decision it's harder to make yeah yeah absolutely um we're we're running out of time so i want to like wrap this up a little bit and then go through my my extensive list of decision making tips so that okay. you all have your uh that you all have your specific how tos um but you know a couple other things that get in the way of making decisions ambiguity and uncertainty Focusing so much on on the outcome is going to make it harder to make the decision, right? Because you can't control the outcome. We say this all the time. So focus on what you can control, the steps you can take. And breaking those decisions down into smaller decisions is, is one great way to do that. Um, it can be completely paralyzing and it can create more anxiety in your life if you are um, if you are sort of focused on the uncertainty of it all. Um, and then finally, you know, if you, uh, need to overcome some of this, looking to other people, like you were talking about earlier, Tova, seeking advice from other people, recognize who you're going to for advice, because like you said, you know, that might be a cue as to what the decision is that you've already made in your head. Like if you're, yeah. if you're not aware of it. So, um, seeking advice from peers, experts, that kind of stuff will really, really make a big difference for everyone. Um, you know. I think we say this, like, I don't know, I, I we've said it so many times, but in order to improve your decision-making skills, it is very helpful to practice, practice mindfulness. Um, whatever that looks like for you, whether it's meditation, whether it's journaling, whether it's going to therapy, um, you know, getting enough sleep, <laughs> um, you know, all of those things will help you be in a better headspace to make a decision that is good for you. Um, one thing I was reading that I really liked is to try to reframe your decision-making from a loss-oriented thinking to a gain-oriented thinking. That means essentially like think about the decision not as if once I make this decision, I'm going to lose all the other op op options, yep. but rather I'm going to gain the thing that I'm, I'm making a decision about plus all the possibilities that brings, right? So it's a scarcity yeah. versus abundance mindset. I think those are, um, the, it, hard to do, but so important for all of us. Yep. Again, back to what I was saying earlier about understanding your values, developing a decision-making framework can really help. The way you do that is by starting with who are you? What do you value? What do you prioritize in your life? Um, you know, if you need help with that, we have, we have an entire course 
devoted to figuring out your personal values. It's a personal personal mission statement course. It's yeah. fully self-guided. You can um, get it on Teachable, download it and, and do it yourself. And it's great because at the end, you have a personal mission statement that helps you know, all right, these are my values. This is wh- who I want to be. This is how I want to be. And based on that, I'm going to make decisions this way. Like it, it's kind of the the first step in the process. Um, and so being more self-aware, continuing to learn about yourself, the world around you, all of those things will help you um, improve your decision-making skills. So um, I do want to talk a few about a few of these decision-making tips that I, I read. It was as, as we love to do, it was one of those like 8 million long sure. lists of things. Sure. Um, but the first tip they gave was to know what size decision you were making. Oh, this feels very judgmental. <laughs> um, this is like, this is so important, right? How big is the decision? Is it a small everyday decision? Is it like a medium sized? Oh, this is kind of important, but it's not like life-changing or is it a really big life-changing decision? Am I having children? Um, what do I put in my, in my, uh, will, right? Like these are really big decisions, but if it's a small decision, like what am I going to eat today? What socks am I going to wear? Um, am I going to call this person back today? Like if those are small decisions in your life, don't put them in the big decision category. Don't let them like sneak into the big decision category. Um, and then another tip they gave that I, I was like, oh no, I do that. Um, is don't hoard your decisions. What they meant by that was don't take all those little decisions every day and like hold on to them. And because that's exhausting. Like that is like yeah. so mentally fatiguing for all of us. Um that and that I think this is like what those notifications do to you, Toba. It's like it just creates that sort of like hoarding mentality of like, oh no, I have to make these 75 decisions and, uh, and then it be, it snowballs. Well, and I mean, this goes back to last week's habits and the week before goals, like what are yeah. your goals and what can you turn into routines or habits? Not everything's going to be a habit. Um, it shouldn't be a habit, but there are many yeah. things that can be routines because routines also cut out a lot of the decision-making process. Yep. This is how my day goes. This is what I do. And that's not to say that you don't want to be looking around and enjoying your day and and experiencing it, but it allows you to be intentional where you want to be intentional. And I feel like similar to decision-making, like being intentional, like you only have so much intentionality (laughs) in your body each day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And it's like, if I know what my breakfast is going to be all week, if I make something at the beginning, an egg bake, and I want to eat it every day this week, that's one less thing that I have to think about because I was intentional at the beginning of the week. Right. And I think that that is um, really, really important. Yeah. No, I absolutely agree. Um, The Another tip they gave was to consider your decision-making style. And they said in this list, and I agree with this, is to try to make yourself a combination of these things if you can. Um, So the first style was exploitation decision makers. And those are people who choose options that are familiar and provide a higher certainty for reward. And then there are exploration decision makers and they test out unfamiliar choices. They are trying new things. They're taking risks. And um, understanding that those two decision making styles exist and that you are allowed to have both in your life 
Like you yeah. can, like you were just saying, you can make the egg bake on Sunday and eat that every single morning for breakfast. That would be an exploitation decision, right? Like I know what the reward is. I know how it's going to go. I'm just going to keep doing this all week. I'm not going to try quinoa bake instead, right? Or whatever. I just right, that up. right. Um, but then you could also employ an exploration decision-making style for other aspects of your life that are, that are, you know, not breakfast or lunch or whatever. Um, there's no wrong way, right? Like you can do it in, in, in any combination that works for you. Um, so I liked that one a lot. I thought that was like a very helpful little bit of excise. Uh, not helpful, they said to tamp down the anxiety. Yeah, okay. Um, but they but they did go on on and say, you know, by using mindfulness techniques, by seeking out help if you need it, and and doing the things you need to do to help manage anxiety, and then right. to um, when you kind of do that to also on the flip side, know when to make decisions. Like there are times when you are not in the right headset, headset, the head space to make decisions and that is okay. And you, it's important to allow yourself that, like, obviously some of their examples were like, if you're drunk or, you know, um, at a family gathering, that's very stressful. Don't make decisions. Okay. But there's other times too. I mean, even like after something big, like not to talk about the Eagles, but it has been a couple of weeks since I've talked about the Eagles. So like, (laughs) you know, everyone, Jason Kelsey gave an end of the season speech and everyone's like, oh my gosh, he retired. And like, there is a very good chance he's going to retire. But he was like, no, I'm not going to decide to retire as I still have my uniform on at the end of the last game. Right. Like that's not where you make that decision. Yeah. (laughs) Like, (laughs) yeah and that's exactly what they're saying yeah and so he was like I'll make a decision when I make a decision and then I'll let you know and and maybe he'll retire maybe he won't but yeah you I think there are certain times and I think there are certain times like you said I think not just the I'm at a family gathering but also like when you're under an immense amount of stress yeah and I think that is where the mindfulness practices, whether it's journaling, whether it's, because it's not just that it helps you with that decision, but it helps get rid of or handle or process stress so that you can effectively make decisions. Mm -hmm. It has that one, two punch of doing both. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Um, Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, I saw this one where it was like, talk to yourself in the third person. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, and I, I would go a step further and I, you know, is that the advice that you would give a friend? Is that yeah. the advice that you would give your daughter? Because it's just like, oh, if it's somebody else, this decision is so easy. And like what you shouldn't bring into it and should bring into it is so obvious. And yet when it's yourself, you're like, well, this is more complicated than that. And it's like, right. well, it's not, it's very straightforward. Right. Yeah. Don't overcomplicate it in that way. But yeah, I agree. Yeah. When you're talking to yourself in the third person, the do it out loud and, and yeah. listen to how it sounds. Like, are you making decisions for you or is it really your, you know, like your mom in the back of your head? Um, sorry, mom, it's not you. Um, but you know, like think about how you're talking about things and how you're, you're thinking about things and just one more. And I liked this course correct idea of like if you're mid decision and you've made it and you're like oh oh no that was a bad idea okay change your mind change your mind yeah um we are so often trained not to change our minds and not to make a different decision 
listen yeah. to your gut, listen to your instincts. If you've made the decision, you're like three days in and you're like, Ooh, that was a bad choice. Um, make a different choice, right? Yeah. Like free will. Um, much easier said than done everyone. Like, I don't mean to be flipping about it. It's hard. This stuff is all hard. Um, so that's, I don't know, Tova, if you want to talk about any of these other ones, but that's, those are the ones that stood out for me the most. I, I, um, yeah, I think those are good. And I, I do want to highlight what you said about the decision-making course that not decision-making course, the personal mission statement course that we have, yeah. because, um, just so you know how I use it and I think how you use it, like I, it's actually at the front of my planner. So it's something that I try to read on a fairly regular basis. Definitely. I don't do it every day, even though I, I would like to, but I don't, but I, from there though, I also figured out like what my word of the year was going to be. And like in the women's circle, we want this, we're going to go forward. We're going to start having a word of the month because sometimes it can be like, wait, am I focusing on like, this is my focus for the month. How, how does this decision fit in with the month? Like, is this a decision that it's not going to serve me this month and I don't even need to make it this month. So I am kicking it to March. Yeah. Like it doesn't need to be here. Or is this a decision that oh, this really plays well into what I'm trying to achieve this month. Like, and and how am I going to do that? So I think that having some anchors, whether it is a mission statement, which I really appreciate, or whether it's a word of the year or a word of the month or all three, like I do, <laughs> um, can help anchor not just small or big decisions, right? And you can have other things like, one of my goals for this year is to eat more colors. Like that's it. That's my big eating goal of the year and eat lunch. That's a big goal of mine this year, but like, yeah, cause I'm just good at that, but eat more colors. Right. And so what does that look like? That looks like eating things of different colors. Like that's it. That's totally simple. So I'm eating enough fruits and vegetables and different kind of meat or different kind of, you know, and that's it. That's my intention. And so when I'm making decisions about food, whether it's menu planning or literally picking something from a menu at a restaurant. It's like, was this, am I getting enough colors here? Right. So like, however you need to do, I think it is incredibly helpful to set intentions or have something guide you um, to yeah. take a little of the guesswork out of some of these decisions. Yeah. And it's, you know, I think people don't realize how useful it is to have that kind of guidepost. Um, yeah. And in our, bootstrapping society where we're not reminded often that, you know, it's okay to reach out for help. It's okay to have these sorts of, um, tools at your disposal. Like it's, it's useful. It's important. It's helpful. And all of that is good. Um, yeah, so we exactly. do have a little bit of homework for the week. And the first one, you know, is what we've been talking about. And that is to check out our, um, mission statement course. You can find it in our um, social media, in our, our link tree. You can also find it on our website under courses, under working with us in courses. And the reason we're you know pushing this so much is we know how useful it is. And um, I think a lot of times we get caught up in the, oh, but it's a whole course. And I'd like, do I have time? And I don't know. And will it really help? And, and like, I can say with with sincere belief, this will help you, um, make decisions. It'll help you figure out what direction to go in all of those things. So, um, that's our homework for the week. And then once you've done the course, pick a decision that you need to make, whether it's a decision next month, three months later, whatever it is, 
um, something medium, right? Like not a, not a huge life altering decision and not a, I need to decide what to wear today. Um, like, you know, some sort of medium decision and use that mission statement that you made to help guide you through the process, use it and utilize it. And then let us know, like, I don't know, tag us on social media, email us, whatever, and let us know how it goes for you. Because the more we talk about this, the more we work together on figuring out like, okay, how can I um, make decisions without the struggle, without the anxiety, without the like angst about the decision? Um, the more we talk about that, the easier it becomes. So yeah, we would love to hear from you guys about how you're doing that, what it's looking like and and how it's going. Um, and that is it, I think, for the week. Unless, Tova, you have anything else. I mean, I could talk about this for like five more hours, but I, I know we'll wrap it up so people can, you know, go to work or finish their <laughs> walk or whatever you do. Decide what to have for breakfast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, everyone. Well, we will be back next week with another episode of How To's. And um, until then, I hope that you have a wonderful week and we will talk to you all very soon. Thanks so much for listening to We Go Boldly podcast. We know you're busy and we love spending time with you. If you enjoyed this week's episode, let us know. Head to Apple Podcasts right now to rate and review our show. While you're there, be sure to click that subscribe button. Want more us time? Follow us on all the socials at Go Boldly Together. Want even more us time? As in all the coaching pizzazz. Find us at GoBoldlyInitiative.com for all the info. We will be back with more excitement, research, and deep thoughts next week. Until then, keep on being the bold, brave, amazing people we know you already are.